Right, Mana Seminars, module number 5.2, The Symbols of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're starting off and we're talking about getting to know the Holy Spirit. We're talking about walking uh, and welcoming the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Bro, I've got a question, sorry, to just jump straight on that. Absolutely, go for it. But from you gave us that reading to, to read since last week. Yes. And something in there was like, could cause lots of problems in my household. Yes. And so <laughs> I want to ask about how to, you know, how am I supposed to answer that? And today it's just talking about women should be quiet in the church. Okay. Yes. So we'll, in the second session we'll mm. deal with that. Okay, when we deal with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, yeah? Yeah. So keep your question till then, and then we'll, right. we'll talk about that. Okay, thank you, that's good. Yeah, so, so we, we need to get to know the Holy Spirit and so that we can welcome him and welcome his movings among us. And so that's what we're talking about. And the Bible talks about different symbols uh, and pictures. Reading from our notes, it says the Bible often uses symbols or pictures to describe certain things. For example, the church is described as being like an army or a building or a bride. Instead of using many words to describe the church, these pictures give many insights into the characteristic of the church if we but sit and meditate on them. A picture is worth a thousand words. You know, when the Bible was being written, it was going to be written for many, you know, to, to cover many centuries and, and, and many different languages. And, and so the Holy Spirit made sure that it wasn't just a whole too much detail, but there were pictures and symbols given that would be translated into the different languages and the different eras of time. And uh, they would have similar meanings to different generations that came along. Uh, so we have uh, the use of these pictures and the Holy Spirit uh, is pictured as being like uh, wind or water. What are some of the other things he, he's pictured as? Oil, yeah. Fire, Fire yeah. Dove. Dove, okay, yeah. So these things. Uh, next week we're going to, to look at the oil and fire as being symbols of the Holy Spirit. But today we're going to look at wind and water. So it is when the Bible wants us to know what the Holy Spirit is like, the Bible says he is like the wind, he's like the water, he's like oil, he's like fire. Each of these pictures or symbols give us insight into various attributes of the Holy Spirit. In this way, we can get to know him, and getting to know him, we can welcome him and walk with him. Such a relationship is essential to our success in living as followers of Jesus. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He was man, as, as we are. He was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized in water. And he lived out of his spirit, listening to the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. And it's no different for us. Uh, so so we, we just need to learn and understand who the Holy Spirit is. So well, let's have a look at this, this thing of, of the Holy Spirit being like wind. In the Bible, the word used for wind is translated the same in both the Old and New Testaments. The Hebrew word ruach, the Old Testament, and the Greek word pneuma for the New Testament. They were the two languages, that the, the, the two testaments. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek in the original language. Um, uh, both of these words uh, are both translated as meaning spirit, or wind, or breath. They are translated the same. So let's go to John chapter 3 and uh, pick up on this. And uh, let's see if someone could read us John chapter 3. That would be great. Verses 5 through to 8. Dave won't be able to, so we'll have... I probably can. Oh, can you? Okay, go. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water... And the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Which verse? Eight. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes 
or whether it is where it is going. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay. So we need to be born of, we're born in the flesh and we're born of the Spirit of God. <coughs> Jesus said, you must be born again. So the Holy Spirit's like when you can't see him, but you can see what he does. Yeah? So we can see the effects of wind. We can see waves that arise because the wind is blowing on them and the friction on the water causes the water to gather. We see, we put a sail up and we can see the wind blows. We see the, 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 the wind in the trees. We can see the effect of tornadoes. We can see the effect of wind, but we can't see wind itself. Okay, we can feel the wind. We can know when it's present. Um, but uh, we don't see. And the Holy Spirit is like that. He is a spirit. So our physical eyes can't um, see him, but we can see what he does. And, and we can sense his presence and so on. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. You're welcome. Good to have you with us. Uh, and like the wind, the Holy Spirit can move uh, like a tornado or he can move like a, a, a light zephyr. And I've given two examples there. In Acts, uh, chapter 16, a woman called Lydia said was touched by the Holy Spirit. And it just says, the Lord opened her heart in response to Paul's message. So here she is, she's sitting by the river, or by the lake, and she's, her heart, the Holy Spirit comes upon her and just opens up her heart as she receives the Lord. No fuss, no bother, it was just a gentle moving of the Holy Spirit. But she came alive. And then in chapter 16, we read that Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts chapter 16, and this time the Holy Spirit comes on and blows the, 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 there's an earthquake, and the Spirit of God comes down, and this time the, the jailer that was keeping them in, in, in the Philippian jailer, he gives his heart to the Lord. So in one case there's a slight zephyr, in the next there's an earthquake, and, and there's a huge moving of God, and one person gets saved. And out of that comes a family getting saved. And the book to the Philippians was written from the church that started on that occasion. So the, the, the jailer at Philippi, he got saved and his household. And uh, then uh, the, the church was born out of that move. So um, we can see that. Uh, like when it's impossible to contain the Holy Spirit. You'll never box in the Holy Spirit. He will just keep breaking out uh, if we allow him to. So it's no use saying, well, uh, we can have the Holy Spirit, we just have the Holy Spirit here, and, and, and if he stays in these boxes, then that'll be great. She says, wait a minute, I'm God. <laughs> you can't box me in like that. And the Spirit of God breaks out of those confines and, and uh, keeps breaking out through history. Uh, so uh, he's, like, he's like the wind like that. He blows where he wills. He will not be controlled by man's ideas or traditions. And we must welcome him, whether he comes as a gentle wind or he comes as a violent storm. I remember there was this lady, and I put it in there, I remember. <laughs> it's still vivid in my mind. We were, I think it must have been at a camp or something, and we were praying for, for a lot of people, and she was as shy. She couldn't say boo to a goose. And she was as shy as, and she thinks, I'm, I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I just want it quiet. I don't want... I, I'm just... I don't want to be... Seen. And she got down behind some sort of big couch like that, and she was praying down there saying, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Well, you know, and inside she's saying, but just gently, quietly. Well, this Holy Spirit came upon her. The next minute she... She's shouting and speaking in tongues at the top of her voice. And, and, and she's praising God. The next minute she's up on her feet, praising God. And she's walking, oh God. And she's speaking in tongues and she's praising God and thanking the shy little woman. It's, it's, you know, the Holy Spirit said, well, I'm coming, ready or not, just about, you know. And uh, it was great. And she, she got a real breakthrough in her whole personality that night. So she was locked in and she said, well, I just want to receive the Holy Spirit like this. But, you know, when we, when we welcome the Holy Spirit, we've got to allow him 
room to move and not confine him to our traditions because like the wind, it's difficult to confine him. In 1 Kings chapter 19, let's go there, verse 11. 1 Kings chapter, just on this, the same sort of thought. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. This is when Elijah is in the cave. He's hiding. He's had a great victory. And then he hits a state where, and he becomes, he actually becomes suicidal. He says, it's time. I, I just want to die. And uh, so the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind in this case. But the wind, you know, just after the wind, there was an earthquake. And God moves in all these different ways. After, what else? After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And uh, then a voice said, and what are you doing here, Elijah? So, so God can move in and, and God moves in all those ways, sometimes in an earthquake, sometimes in fire, sometimes in a mighty wind. But this time, it was a gentle voice. You know? And and so sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to us gently and just quietly ministers to us. And that's, that's great. He knows where we're at. He knows what we need. In fact, he probably knows better than you do what you need. And what I need. And so he got and we, and we need to welcome him in whichever way that he turns up. Over my lifetime, I've seen different things. Like I remember this church, and I've shared this story before, but it's, it's appropriate here. There was the Assemblies of God Church and Sydenham Christ Church. And they had been praying, the dear folks had been praying for a, for a move of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and move in revival. They'd been praying for 50 years. And God said, I, 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 I'll do it. And, and what happened is, is the church got filled with bikies. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and all these druggies and bikies and came in and got marvelously oh, saved. Glory. Wonderfully saved. And, and, and this church that seated about 120, 150 people, all of a sudden... The old ones, and there was only about 30 going, but they couldn't get their favourite seats. <laughs> because all these bikies would come up and they tell me, you couldn't see the front because of all the hair. <laughs> you know, the hair coming out everywhere. And all the people got upset. And, 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 and they voted the pastor out. Oh, and said, we... But you see, <laughs> it's a pity we don't have that in this church. <laughs> but they did in that particular church, and they took a vote, and out he went. And he started up down the road, and all these fellas all went with him. Yeah. And they're back to their little 30, still praying for revival. Yeah. <laughs> and it's happened over and over again, you know. It wasn't what they expected. They wanted it all nice and clean and tidy. But when the Holy Spirit moves, it is really nice and clean and tidy. Because as people, we're not nice and clean and tidy, are we? Well, you might be. When I was first asked to go and minister in England, I went there to the group of churches, the Elam churches there. And the Holy Spirit was beginning to, the charismatic renewal was going uh, in, in England. And uh, they went, and, and, but they were closing churches down and, and, and stepping down ministers because the Holy Spirit was moving and people were uh, falling under the power of God all over the place. Well, they shut big churches down because of that. They had, people were singing freely in the Spirit. They didn't like that. Um, the gifts of the Spirit began to operate. And not always uh, absolutely good because people were learning. And, and so that was clamped down. 
they started running house groups. But some of the house groups leaders ran off and started other churches. They didn't like that either. So that was clamped down. And when I got there, and I was pastoring Elam Church at that time, and it came, because all that was happening in the church in Blenheim. And in New Zealand, where it was commonplace, and we were comfortable with it. And they listened and talked, and they, and they changed around. But they were closing. A big church, about 300 people, three or 400 people, and the Spirit of God came into that church. People were getting saved and healed, and demons were, they didn't believe in, in, in casting out the demons in that, that day. But demons were being cast out, and people were, and they, they, they sacked the pastor. And you think, what? You know, because of, you know, well, we've got to be ready. When the charismatic renewal broke out in New Zealand and around the world and the Spirit of God began to be outpoured in, in, in the Catholic churches especially, my forebears had great difficulty. The Pentecostal churches had great difficulty that the, how dare the Holy Spirit break out in the Catholic church without their permission. Yeah. <laughs> all the Anglican church, all the Presbyterian church, all... These other places. How how could he do that? I mean, we we've been guardians of the things of the spirit for fifty years, and dear God, you should ask our permission before you do something like that. And they they didn't understand it, and they criticised it. And those that did, they became barren churches. And the same thing happened because I was brought up in, in the Elam Church in Wellington. And God moved mightily out in Lower Hutt in the Assemblies of God Church. And that little church of about 50 people began to grow and grow and grow and grow under the ministry of two men that God had called them in there and expand and Bible school and stuff. And the movement began to... And, and, and the pastor of our Wellington church, he didn't like it because the pastor out in the AOG church out there was extreme. He was a shouter. And he was a go-getter and he would have tent meetings and he was a demonstrative guy and demons were coming out and people were getting saved and healed and, and, and they said, oh no, that's, we want it all night. That's not right. We want it in a box here. We want it like this. We want you, God, like this. Yes. And so that Wellington Elam Church was dead for years and years and years. Because they couldn't receive what they they didn't like the way that God did stuff. Yes. Do you not think Ian, there was a lot of fear around? Because I know I was in, I was a young teenager when the Pentecost, you know, when charismatic yes. started, and people were frightened because they didn't understand. Yes, they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. and, and when God and I'll tell you, if God moves in revival, when God moves, sorry, in the revival, there will be some things that we don't understand. And that's why we've got to trust the Holy Spirit. And we don't need to be naive. We're right to discern and, and to judge. But yes, I think there was. People were afraid of, what is this? And they said that on the day of Pentecost. What is this? What is this? We've never seen anything like this before. And so sometimes when God moves, it can be, um, it can be extreme or it can be different. You know, signs and wonders. A sign is something that happens, you think, what a, but it points to Jesus. And a wonder is something you go home wondering about. You think, what was that about? But we need to be still and we need to be just open and, and be discerning. Hallelujah. We don't have to accept all the nutters that go overboard, <laughs> but we need to be open to what God can do. Yes? Over the page. Remember, remember when David danced before the Lord? And what happened? His wife looked out the window and said, You stupid man, what on earth are you doing? What happened? He said, I'm going, I will dance before the Lord. But she became barren. She never had any other children. There came a barrenness and criticism and un just because we don't, we don't understand it, we just need to be still and just uh, be available to God. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 to 4. Okay, we're going over there. This is when the church began, yes? What happened? They were all together in one accord. They did, that was the first thing. They were all together in one accord. They, there was unity there. And it was on the day of Pentecost, so the feast of Pentecost was being, was being um, observed in the city of Jerusalem. And suddenly, verse 2 says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that was the day the church was born. Peter got up and preached and 3,000 people gave their, became followers of Jesus. And the church was birthed like that. When a move of the Holy Spirit, there's wind and fire associated with that moving of the Holy Spirit. Um, the sound of a violent burning. The church was present, but not alive. They were full of fear and uncertainty behind locked doors. Then from heaven came the sound of a violent wind. The Holy Spirit transformed 120 fearful disciples into a mighty force. He filled the whole house where they were sitting, but they weren't sitting for much longer, I said. Only the Holy Spirit can blow new life into a near-dead church. Such a church can come alive again with the life of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I went to a church that had been closed when I was in my 20s. To there, it had been closed for six months, and the church in Blenheim had been as dead as dead as a doornail for years. And uh, many, several ministers had, had, had tried and, and left, couldn't, couldn't break through there. And so, but it was the Holy Spirit began to move, He did stuff. I would go home thinking, God, it's just, it just kept amazing me to stand back and see what the Holy Spirit could do. And that church revived. I was, I was, the, uh, another minister was in town and he was leaving. In fact, he'd been voted out of his church as well. And he said, we were having a picnic and he was with just in the room and there was nobody in it. I had the smallest church in New Zealand. There was 10 people and five of them were my family. <laughs> and then one of them left. <laughs> well, I had to put him out actually because he, he was no good. <laughs> and then, um, so but this past, we were walking along Momorangi Bay, the beach there. And he said, Ian, he said, God is about to move. He says, God's told me that he's going to move in this town and you are going to see it. He said, I wish it was me, but it's not the Holy Spirit. He says, it's not me. It's that bald-headed young fellow down there. <laughs> and that's what happened. And he had tears pouring down his face. He died. He was only in his 30s. He died a couple of months later of an asthma attack. But with God did stuff. Holy Spirit stuff. Just amazing. And that dead church that had been dead for years came alive. In fact, the whole town started to come alive because the Holy Spirit was moving. Sophie, do you want to say something? Come on. The Holy Spirit moved my heart. We can't do anything. We try, but we do it in our own strength. We can't. We can't change people's lives. We can't. We can encourage and speak words, but it's until the Holy Spirit gets into those words, that's what brings the change. You know, it's the Holy Spirit who is working this earth, it's His work. We're a part of it, but it's God's work. It's the Holy Spirit's work. He comes and he visits us, and we see things happen. And, you know, we don't need to fear. We need to just trust the Holy Spirit. I've worked with new Christians for years. And, you know, you, uh, you kind of think, what's happening? And, and, and tears will just, you know, or it just, it's just a mess. It just looks like a mess. But you look a week later or two weeks later or three weeks later, that person has changed. 
What changed it? God touched the person's life. The Holy Spirit comes and touches people's lives. And you don't know. I just remember with Maria, God touched her life. And I remember seeing Tanya. You know, um, I spoke with Tanya on Sunday. And she's just beaming. She's growing. Something has changed. And I think, what is it? The Holy Spirit has come and touched her. There's been healing deep down within her life. You know, I don't know everything either. I just remember going forward myself one time and somebody prayed for me and all of a sudden he said something that clicked. Something has been said over your life. You know, and I kind of, and immediately I knew, but I'd never ever thought of it. My father, who I loved greatly, at 27 years old, says, so if you don't find a man soon, you're going to be a spinster. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean... I'm, I'm late 30s when this is happening and I'm still not married and there's no man in sight. I never realised I'd limited the field so much when I became a Christian, you know. Now I've got to marry a Christian man, you know, how many of those are out there? And it was like my chances were sort of... But you know, I, that when he said that, the Holy Spirit bought that and changed. Do you know, I didn't know that those words were like a roof over me. They were squashing me down. They had been words that were spoken. It was almost like a curse on my life. Who would know? The Holy Spirit knows. And he sees us from the moment he was right there when we were conceived and, and when we, he's watched us every day of our lives. We had Jan come and visit us today and I was saying to him, you know, some of you may have heard, when I was five years old I didn't speak English because I was raised Dutch. I was born in Holland. My parents spoke Dutch and I could understand English as a five-year-old and here I am and it's kind of like... They talked to me in English, and yes, 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 but I speak to them in Dutch. Well, they didn't have a clue what to... So I didn't have many friends when I was five. But, you know, here I am, sitting in a classroom, and it was a Catholic classroom, and we were being taught the Lord's Prayer. And the nuns were teaching us the Lord's Prayer. And at the end of several lessons, I can't remember that, but she said, who would like to stand and do it from start to finish all by yourself? My hand shot up. And the first words I ever spoke was the Lord's Prayer. And I can still today hear the kids all clapping for me because it was the first English. I wasn't a Christian until I was 34, but the Holy Spirit was watching over me all that time. You know, he's the one who is building the church, but he needs us. And so we need to be in the flow of the Holy Spirit. I love it with the wind. You know, you kind of you go sailing. To get anywhere, you sail in a direction and the wind changes. Then you have to tack and you sail. Otherwise, you just go and you come to a standstill. You know, and so you tack to what the Holy Spirit's saying. And the Holy Spirit's leading us this way. The wind of the Holy Spirit's on all of us. You know, what's he saying to you? Where are we tacking? What's the next tack? Where is the destination that he's taking us? He knows. Last week he was saying, he's our counsellor. He's our guide. You know, and that's, that's who he is. But we need him in our lives. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit so that we can have the wind in our sails and have our spinnaker up and be moving. You know, so we have passion in our lives and going forward and seeing and you know what God is doing. All of us. I'm a very ordinary person, you know, but God God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary, doesn't he? And so we're all extraordinary, but we're all on the same. Do you know, until I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and even now, I keep asking God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know why? Because I don't have boldness. I just don't. Until I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, my goodness, I can, you know, fill me, Holy Spirit, and I become bold and passionate about things. And that's how I want to live my life, because I know that God can take whatever I've got and use it and spread it out amongst. He knows the answers for other people's problems. One lady, she ministered to me in the biggest way. You know what she did? She smiled at just the right time. It was life-giving to me. You know, it was just life-giving. I didn't know her from a bar so, but she smiled after I'd had an accident or something, and I, she, but it was just like, it was encouraging me. 
And it was, and that's what we do for other people. So we need to be in the in the We need the wind. When you read in Acts chapter two, when the room came, those people were fearful and unafraid. They weren't bold. They were hiding and praying actually. But as soon as the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind, they got going. Peter got up there. And he got out there and he spoke his first sermon. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be full. You know, things empty us. But Holy Spirit, fill me and you. Keep on, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. But yeah, it's lovely to see him as the winds. How's that? All right. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, give her a hand. That's great. Get ready, you'll be on next in a minute. Okay, we'll finish this quickly. Genesis 2.7 talks about Adam was the first man and God breathed into him and he became a living soul. So here he is, he's created, but he needs the breath of God. He needs the presence of the Holy Spirit. Job 33.4, the Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Boy, you can just you can be alive but you, really, you, you can still come alive when the Holy Spirit gets hold of you. And he's in you. we just got to set sail. John 20, 22, and with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So they were walking with him as disciples, and, uh, but they needed, it is the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the life of God. We are born of women, and then we must be born again by the Holy Spirit if we are to inherit eternal life. Um, in Ezekiel 37, the, the dry bones, what happened there? The valley was what? Full of bones, yes? And what happened? Then he said to me, so he's in this valley, chapter 37, and we're down in verse 4, and, and, and all these, this was the last battle. You know, you imagine after these huge battles with thousands of people, men on each side, when the battle was over, there was thousands of dead people and they would strip the, the, the bodies and, and leave them there for the birds and the, and the animals. And then you go down there five years later and the valley's full of bones. That was the last battle. And, and here it was, they, they, they were lost. And so he gets to this battle and God says, can these live? And he says, only you know that, Lord. I'm, <laughs> I'm blown if I know. And... Um, Verse 4, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, uh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord said to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. You see, and that is the great key. When God breathes upon us, when the wind of the Holy Spirit flows through our lives, hallelujah, when we get in touch with the spirit of the living God, transformation takes place. Beholding him, we are changed from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And, 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 and so he does this. And, and the, the bones come together and sinews and flesh come upon them. And then down in verse 9, he says to me, God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to her, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me. In other words, all he did, he said what God said. Prophecy is saying what God says. But in a, in a way of declaration. Not asking God to do something. Declaring what God has already spoken. That's prophecy. Speaking forward what God has already spoken. So he said, I prophesy. And, uh, and he said, so uh, I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the church. That's the difference between a dead church and a live church. It is the breath of the Holy Spirit. It is the pulsating life of the Spirit of God in the believers. And when they come together, hallelujah, there's a, there's a tornado of praise and of worship and adoration. Hallelujah. He, he always turns us towards Jesus. The old hymn we used to sing, Breathe on me, breath of God. And to those who remember that old hymn. Good. 
going to sing it? Probably not. <laughs> Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life in you, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wishes. You can tell it's old. <laughs> Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure. Until with thee I will one will and to do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine. Until this earthly part of me glows with thy fire divine. Don't miss next week. Breathe on me, breath of God, so shall I never die. But live with thee the perfect life of thine eternity. And we need to pray that sort of prayer. Lord, breathe on me. Hallelujah. And when he starts to blow, set your sail. Put some, catch the wind. Catch the wind. Hallelujah. Don't just sit in the meetings passive. When the Spirit of God's moving, put your sail up and catch the wind. Hallelujah. And if the wind changes direction, set the sail again. <laughs> tack down the track and tack, tack through life. Hallelujah. Um, it's, 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 it's a good thing. Okay. Water. Rain. John chapter 7, verse 37. So, the Holy Spirit is like wind. The Holy Spirit is like water, rain. Verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, this was the Feast of Tabernacles. There's three feasts in Israel that are kept. The Feast of Passover. Jesus was crucified on the day of Passover. He was the Passover lamb that was sacrificed. When the high priest was sacrificing the lamb in the temple, Jesus was being sacrificed on the cross outside the city wall exactly the same time. Fifty days later, and Pentecost means 50, they keep a, it was the time of the giving of the law. They celebrated when the Ten Commandments was given. So they celebrated. And while the feast of Pentecost was being celebrated by the people in the city, the Holy Spirit came down on that same hour, the same day, hallelujah, and the church was born, you see. And then thirdly, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. The Tabernacle Feast of Tabernacles was a feast of ingathering, was a feast of harvest, was a feast of joy and of celebration. And that has never been fulfilled fully in the life of the church. And those are the days we are living in right now. And so there's a whole teaching and there will do that sometime in the future. But here, Jesus, on that particular day, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, uh, streams of living water will flow from within him. Hallelujah. I love this verse. Amen. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is saying there's coming a time when the Holy Spirit is going to be outpoured. It happened on the day of Pentecost. We've read in Acts chapter 2 when the wind came. That was the time of the pouring of the Holy Spirit. But he said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You see, the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't need more of him. You just need to allow him to move more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we, we, being at the time of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, what we do, we, we open, we surrender. And say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And, and, and out of our innermost being comes a river of living water, flows out over our mouths, often in prophecy or in speaking in tongues, which is prayer unto God. Hallelujah. And like, just like in the day when the church started, uh, uh, it, it, it's happening again today. Jesus said that's how it would happen. Here we see Jesus making it clear that the Holy Spirit would be within us like a free-flowing fountain of life. A great secret of the Christian life is to understand that all we need is within us. He is in us. It is not a matter of getting more of God. It is a matter of yielding more to the Holy Spirit and getting to know him and responding to his prompting from within us. Just as water is essential to our physical life, so the Holy Spirit is essential to our spiritual life. Water is free. It is abundant. It cleanses, refreshes, and causes growth and life, and as such is a great picture of the life and the work of of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47 is a picture of this river of life. It says here, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple, toward the east, 
for the temple faced east and the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. This is the flow of the Spirit of God in your life and in mine and in the church. And it starts from the throne of God. We go to Revelation 22. We find that same river is depicted in Revelation 22 and it flows from the throne or the presence of God. Hallelujah. The source is Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, so it's coming down. He then brought me out through the east gate and led me round the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. A cubit is about 18 inches. That's not very helpful. Uh, 12, 15, 30, what is about 30 centimetres? Yes, but more. Yeah, about that. No, 45 centimetres, 50 centimetres. Somewhere between 45 and 50 centimetres. Uh, it led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the desert, the Arabah, where it enters the sea. And when it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will say, see, this is, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. This is a picture of the harvest. This is the picture of the ungathering. Uh, this is the picture of the outpour and where the Holy Spirit begins to flow hallelujah old, uh, old ways, old salty ways become fresh the old swamps become life giving again hallelujah, the swamps in our life the, the, the dirty areas are cleaned out hallelujah uh, with, a, with a river of life and there's fruit there there's, 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 there's life there it says wherever this river flows there is life Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I've seen, I've been in dead churches and I, I've seen things begin to happen. Hallelujah. Every time. Every time. You know, uh, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit wants to move in our hearts. He wants to move in my heart. He wants to move. He wants to bless people through you. He wants to bless your wife through you. He wants to bless your husband through you. He wants to bless your kids through you. He wants to bless your family through you. He wants you to be moving in life. Hallelujah. With a flow of the energy and life and the water of the spirit of the living God in our life. What a privilege it is to serve God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so this, everywhere it goes, trees of every kind provide fruitfulness and healing. Psalm 1 and verse 1 to 3. What does that say? Can anyone quote it? Yep. Sits in the seat. But his... That'll be. He will be like a tree that's planted by the river of life. Thank you, Pastor. See, hallelujah. It's by this river, you know, because there's life. And whatever he does will prosper. Oh, yes. We need to get into that flow of the Spirit of God. Out of our innermost being. Then we, when we come together of a Sunday, the streams merge. We're, would to God, I've written here, every one of us had this river flowing freely from within us. Then when we come together on a Sunday, the streams merge to make a great life-giving river. This is what the Holy Spirit longs to bring to every child of his and to every church of his. Praise God. And when that Holy Spirit begins to move, I tell you, I tell you, it's life-giving. We were up in the Anglican church. We were there for a few years and they hadn't seen, they hadn't seen any people saved. And, but then God began to move by his Spirit. Hallelujah. And, and it's... Sunday after Sunday, we'd be down there baptizing people in the lake uh, every couple of months as God began to move by his spirit. Hallelujah. Roger, you know Roger? Roger the Dodger? I remember Roger was there. He used to come to, to the church and his 
great, great, great grandfather was the first missionary, Matthews. And so this family tradition, and he would come to church and, <laughs> and he would just sit there, if he came. She, Karen never came. But he came. And then one, I'll never, I'll never forget, one day, he, he, he just surrendered to God. He got wonderfully born again, and then he wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, get ready, Roger. <laughs> Among some others. Laid my hands on him. And the power of God. He said afterwards, he said it was like, he was like about 30,000 volts went through. And he started to shake with the power of God. Then the next minute, he started to speak in tongues and begin to praise God. This old staunch old Anglican. And all of a sudden, Roger got free. Hallelujah. His wife couldn't believe it. She came along later and gave her heart to the Lord. But, but you know, it was the Spirit of God that does stuff. You can't manufacture that. You can't manufacture it. Oh, bless the Lord. Hi, guys. Good to see you. No, don't be sorry. Thanks for making the effort to get here. All right, that's it. That's it. What else have I got in here? Joel. The rain. All right. Okay, so I'll say putting out. Any questions about this at the moment? Anyone want to say anything? You know, the rain is, is, is coming down. There's a few scriptures in there in Joel chapter 2. You can read about that. Water is free. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Um, the presence of the Holy Spirit cannot be earned or brought. The, Psalm 68, the Holy Spirit brings refreshing to thirsty and weary people. Psalm 65, verse 9, talks about the outpouring. We'll go to Joel, the book of Joel, just for a few couple of minutes, and then we'll have a couple. Joel, it's on, it's on page 1301. Joel chapter 2 verse 23. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice at the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains and righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before, all in the same month. The threshing floors will be filled with grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and new oil. Verse 28 says, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will dream, prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And so God's talking about the, in, in the same context of the rains being outpoured. Hallelujah. Autumn and spring rains together. And these are the days we're living in, of the days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now. And, and so these, these, these times are being fulfilled before our very eyes. And so rain is like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Rain that brings the refreshing and causes everything. He says, when that happens, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. There'll be, there'll be abundant supply. The house of the Lord will be, be filled with praising people. Um, we are now living in the days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Prophetic scriptures generally have more than one fulfillment. Here Joel says that the Holy Spirit will be poured out. In verse 23 and 24, he speaks of God sending the rain. Again, it is an abundance of rain. It is a time of rejoicing. Hosea 6 speaks of the Spirit of the Lord coming as winter and spring rain to revive and restore his people so they may live in his presence. The answer to dryness in our spiritual walk is the rain and the watering and refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's Ezekiel 34 says, There shall be showers of blessing. We used to sing the old song, didn't we? There shall be showers of blessing. Hallelujah. And there shall be. And you know, we're seeing, that we're seeing the first drops of it coming down now in our church, but we ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. So we need to be there. And last, I'm going to, I just want to touch the last verse before, is Psalm 65, verse 9. You, you, 
This is what God wants to do in your life and among us as a people. Psalm 65 and verse... You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. When the Holy Spirit pours out, I tell you, it's a, it's a great season. It's a great season in a in, in person's life. It's a great season in the church as God begins to pour out upon his people the beautiful anointings and the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to fill the sails. Hallelujah. The rain of the Holy Spirit begins to come. The fire of the Holy Spirit begins to, 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 to cleanse and, and, and to clean. And the oil of the Holy Spirit comes and anoints people. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you, there's nothing like the moving of the Holy Spirit. And uh, because then the harvest comes. Then comes the fruitfulness. Then comes new life. Wherever the river flows, there is life. Hallelujah. So that's what my heart is so much. I, I, I pray in the mornings and, and, and just pray and say, Lord, hallelujah. Let the river, I say, spring up, O oh well. I speak to my own well in my own soul. If I'm feeling a bit down to it, but bit dry, let's spring up, O oh well. Hallelujah. Sing for joy, O oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. I get that flow going. I speak in tongues and I begin to praise God. I put on some music and sing along. Hallelujah. Shut the window so I don't, you know, so I don't disturb the, the birds. And, uh, uh, yes. Hallelujah. Lord, send your rain upon us. Blow upon us by your Holy Spirit. Blow the cobwebs out, Lord, of our lives. Hallelujah. Pour your Spirit upon us, Father, in these days that we might be the men and women you always created us to be in the church that you have, Lord, created. Hallelujah. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise hallelujah.